Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Well, life can be challenging, but you've tuned into the right program today. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. It's going to be fun. Open your Bible. Let's learn something today that will help you manage your life. Enjoy today's study. Today's uh, sermon is uh, rerouting your financial river. That's the series. And what I want you to do is I want you to notice in this in this um, graphic, there's a picture of a river and uh, it has some turns in it. And most of us understand, excuse me, finances, and we understand how they can turn. It can get it can get bad. Your financial river can become a bad experience. All of a sudden, uh, after working all these years, you wonder where your money went. And so in my study this year, I'm taking on a one big question for the year. When you look in the mirror, is that the person you imagined you'd be? If it's not the person, <clears throat> excuse me, that you imagined you'd be, what happened? What happened to you? Now, if you're honest, some of you say, well, I don't know what happened to me. When the first month I went through this whole thing where I talked about that. In the second month, we're talking about what happened to your money. Now, your money can really surprise you. And so I'm giving you, I, I offered you a total of five things to do. Now, because some of you are your, your studious note takers, you're going to notice I changed some things. So I thought I'd just tell you up front what I changed. I went from five to four, and I did that this week because I, I found a way to just condense it, and it's my sermon, so I wanted to do it now. So here we go. So here's what I said before. Here were the, the five things I, I, I said we were going to do. First of all, just what you believe. Say it with me, please. Come on. Just, adjust what you sow. Then I said, uh, adjust your management habits. Say it with me, please. Come on. Adjust your management habits and adjust your routines. That's what I told you were going to be four of the five. I changed it because I believe it's important to adjust your management habits, and I believe it's important to adjust your routines so that they match your money goals. But I'm going to condense that a little bit and just assume you can just get that on your own because I, I wanted to say it another way. So let me give you four, the four adjustments you need to make to your financial river if you want your life to change. The first one I've already said, adjust what you believe. You've got to make sure that what you believe is consistent and takes you in the right direction. And you measure that by your results. Secondly, adjust what you sow. You have to understand that what you sow, this is what I talked about last week, you reap. What you plant in the soil of your life becomes a reality in your life. The third thing, which is what I'm teaching on today, is adjust your faith under pressure. Say that with me, please. Come on. Adjust your faith under pressure. As you work to fix your finances, there are going to be pressures. The unexpected is going to happen. Things are going to come up. And if you can't adjust during those times of pressure, you're going to be in trouble. I want to show you a guy named Abraham who had pressures in his life. Pressures he didn't create. And I want to show you how he managed to adjust his faith under pressure and the results he had. It's one thing, um, it's one thing to have the pressure. It's another thing to adjust to it. So look with me, if you would please, in Genesis chapter 14. And before I read the story, let me tell you the history of the story. Abraham is a guy who has this incredible family. 
His dad decides to have a child at 75 years old. That's a good time to start having children. Genesis chapter 11 describes him uh, and says that his daddy made a decision. Three kids, has, has these kids, and one of the sons he has dies, Abraham's brother. And it's called Abram, then Abraham. It's just a change of name over time, but, and, and God changed his name um, because he becomes the father of many nations. Abram is exalted father, and then he becomes exalted father of many nations. So he, he's going to evolve spiritually. His name's going to move to Abraham. But in Genesis chapter 11, chapter 12, he's Abram. Chapter 13, he's still Abram. And so as we read through the text we're going to study, chapter 14, he's still Abram. He's still, he's still this guy named Abram. He's, an, he's a respected father. But I want you to notice that this guy, he, he grows and he ends up being the mentor to Lot, his nephew, after his brother dies. So now picture this, okay? Your brother's son dies. Your brother dies. You take your brother's son and he's your nephew. You feel pretty close to him, right? Then you, then you start prospering. So in Genesis chapter 12, he prospers. Chapter 12 by chapter 13, he's rich. He's got so many cattle, he can't even manage them all. So he gives some to Lot and he divides up his inheritance, which is common in this culture. They gave the inheritance while they were living. So they gave, so Lot ends up with a whole bunch of cattle. He didn't earn this stuff. He gets it because of his, 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 uh, his uh, uncle. And so in chapter 13 of Genesis, they have this fight. The herdsmen of Lot start fighting against the herdsmen of, of Abram, Abraham. And so Abram takes the high ground. Now, here's where Abraham could have had attitude. Now, boy, I helped you. Now, I don't see what, I don't, we, we shouldn't have an issue. But Abraham took the high ground. Now, you ever have family members you helped and they forgot? Living in your house and you can, they're confused about cleaning up? Simple things. Are contributing to the house? Well, anyway, Abraham says, look, you, you choose where you want to graze. You take your cattle to the right, I go to the left. Wherever you choose. Now, that's a big statement. That, that alone tells you a lot about his attitude. So, of course, Lot chose the best land. That tells you about Lot. He chose Sodom and Gomorrah. Look good. Oftentimes it does on the front end. Now, if you know the Bible, that's not a place you want to go to. That's the real ghetto anyway. So, but it's the nice looking ghetto on the front end. So he goes, Sodom and Gomorrah, sets up camp. Now, that's all in chapter 13. Chapter 14, the world changes. Repeat with me, please. Said, the world always changes. You can say what you want to, but I've lived long enough to tell you. It comes around. Chapter 14, he's in a city, in an area and these, these kings break out in war, and his side loses. And so he's now in captivity. So now he's in chains. All of his, all of his staff are in chains. All of his cattle, everything he owns, he's in chains. So he's lost everything. Well, they send an email to Abraham. And, and you ever get one of them emails, come save me, help me? So they, Abraham... Gets together. Now, I want to show you what happened. This is now we're in your notes. Genesis chapter 14. You ready? Genesis 14, verse 14. Now, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his house and went in and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus, verse 16. So he brought back, this is Genesis 14, he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother, 
Lot and his goods, as, and as well as the women and the people. Now, Abraham had to intervene and fight a battle that he did not create. This was a problem that his nephew created. He shouldn't have been there. If he wasn't there and didn't have a bad attitude, it wouldn't happen. But what I like about the practical side of this is, please notice, he's ready for the battle. He has 318 soldiers. Now, they, he didn't have to train them, but they were with him from their youth. He, they grew up in his house. So these are kids been here for 20 years, 20, 30 years. Now, he trained his own ninjas. He was a God-fearing man who was prepared. He understood security. You weren't going to steal this stuff. He had people that would cut you. He was godly, but he was clear. Now, I want you to see the balance in his life. I want you to see that this is the guy who is prepared, and now he has to intervene, and he has to save a man who created an expensive problem. It's expensive to move 300 people around. It's expensive. That's food, time, away from work, away from the farm. I mean, I mean they had to leave everything and go, go find and deliver him. Now, that's a major investment. And Abram didn't do anything to create this. Sometimes it's like that. Your financial river is disrupted by people that you had nothing to do with their, their trouble or problems and their family. But I want you to notice he didn't complain. He didn't murmur. He just went and handled it. There's a lot to learn about that kind of person. It's part of family. It's part of what we do. You save your children. You reach out and help each other. And I want you to notice one of the sad things about this, if you follow Lot's story, he just didn't get it. Chapter 19, he's in trouble again. I mean, this is the same guy, his wife turned to a pillar of salt. The angels came and got him, told her, don't look back. Of course, she said, what'd you say? Bam, then she did, see? The whole family's messed up. He had two daughters that were all messed up. You got, you, you got family members, they just a mess. I mean, everything you do, if you get around them, they just a mess. They cost money just to visit. Notice, though, that's part of his responsibility. And he doesn't complain about it. I love the fact that he has this incredible, powerful attitude that says, I understand that I need to go, even though it's not created by me. This is part of my family life. And he responded with grace, and, and I, I just love it. But I love also the fact that once he did win the battle, once he delivered Lot from this captivity, watch his financial convictions. He has some strong convictions, and I want you to watch what he did after the battle. Verse 18 of, of Genesis chapter 14 said, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the God most high. This is after the battle, now after he's delivered everybody. Verse 19, and he blessed him. So the priest comes out, blesses Abraham, and he says, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20, and blessed be the God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And watch what happened. Abraham gave a tithe, a tithe of all. Now, let me explain. The word tithe is not tithes. People say, I paid my tithes. No, you did not. This is a tithe. T-I-E-S. Everybody say tithe. T-I-T-H-E. That word means tenth. So Abraham looked at all that he had won in battle. He knew that God had given him victory, 318 people. He went out, and if you read chapter 14, it was a bunch of kingdoms he fought. Several kings were at war, and he came in and beat everybody. 300 special forces guys, 
took, took charge. And, and, and he knew God gave him victory. Sometimes, you know, we forget who gave us the victory. But he decided, the first thing I'm going to do without anybody telling him is give a tenth to God. I want to show God I'm thankful. Here's a question. When you prosper, what do you say to God? Do you even pray over your check? Do you stop and say, thank you, Lord? Now it's direct deposit. So do you look at your, when, it, when that email hits your phone and says, hey, your check's in there. Do you at least pause and say, thank you for this gift? Abraham said, after this week of battles, the first person I want to honor is God. He cuts it off the top before he pays anybody. Now that's impressive. And that, that, that to me says a lot about his convictions. He had strong financial convictions that shaped what he did. Remember, I told you, adjust what you believe. This is what he believed. This was a priority. Now, I want to say for most people, that's not true. For most people, and what's really amazing is when they get in financial trouble, <laughs> then they pray. And you almost want to say, you know, if you were God, flip, flip the switch for a second. You have anybody, you have anybody, this is, I've had this happen, it's amazing. You have anybody call you for money and they never call you any other time but when they want money? Are you there? It's amazing. It's the, oh my God, who's this? Hello, who are you? How are you? I just felt led to call you. Really? I need $500. Really? Right now. Can I come pick it up? Hello? You have reached the wrong number. No. <laughs> but you know, I want you to think for a minute. It, it, the reason I feel that way, and I've had to say this to a few people, you know, you should call me and say, how are you before then? You know, you shouldn't just view me as this person you can call and get money from. And, and, I, and I mean it in love. I don't mean any harm when I say it, but I mean it's not fair. So please understand, we have no financial relationship. I, I, I've never asked you. I, I, I can't even ask you for anything. And when you did have money, you didn't, I couldn't, I, I mean, you, you made it clear, you know, don't ask. I mean, you, you, if you're not careful, you have no financial relationship with God except when you want something. When you prosper, and as you, pro and as you prosper, there's no plan in your mind ever to conclude him, ever. But notice Abraham's attitude before the law. This is important, before the law. He felt God should be honored. But then I also am impressed, not only with the fact that he's had this strong conviction, but he had, he, how he responded to what I call strong financial temptation. There was a temptation, now that he had money, to become money-focused. You, you, once you get some money, you know, you can say, all right, yeah, a lot. You put me through a whole lot. But I, now I've got the money. I mean, he, you know, he could have took all of his staff. He could have done everything because now he had the power. Well, look at, with me, please, chapter 14, verse 21. Now, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, all the people you captured, Abraham. Give me those people and take the goods for yourself. Keep the money. Watch his response. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hands to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take what? Nothing. Now, do you know, I, I never noticed this for some reason. I don't know why. I just never noticed it. But the guy said, I'm not taking anything. I'm not taking anything. I don't want anything, not even a thread to a sandal strap, that I will not take anything that is yours. At least you should say I made Abram rich. I'm not giving you anything. I'm not taking anything. I don't want anything. It's all yours. You can have it. 
Now, that's really amazing when you can leave money on the table. It shows you where his heart was. I love the fact that this guy had convictions, and he did not want to partner with this, with, with, with this guy from Sodom. He, he was careful who he partnered with financially. Who, do, who, who are you joining forces with? Will you do anything for a dollar, for a promotion? Where are your lines? Where are your values? I love the fact, I don't want, no, Sodom, God, listen, no. I, I came to get Lot, no thank you. We don't need to be partners. We don't need to start a friendship. I love the fact that he drew the line, even though money was on the table. But then I love the balance in his life. Why don't you watch what he does? He was careful not to force others to embrace his financial convictions. He didn't, he didn't lock out the guy standing by him. You know, people are listening saying, well, man, if you don't want something, you know, the guys who came with him. He didn't, he, they, they, they're sitting there saying, you know, man, you know, we just got through fighting here, you know, <laughs> and man, what, what is, well, watch what he says. Except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. In other words, I don't, the guys who came with me, I'm not going to, they can have it. They can have a portion for them. But for me, nothing. I want you to pause for a minute and ask yourself, how balanced are you? How fair are you? There's something fair about this guy and how he manages money and people. How he fairly distributes resources. He's not selfish. He's not holding it for himself. He's not ignoring the fact that these guys, they deserve something. God didn't speak that to them. And he didn't make them adjust to his approach. Then I lastly want you to notice, he has strong, not only, not only strong balance, but I want you to notice that all of this is a model of a man who understood the power of honoring God. Next week, I'm going to talk about tithing, and I'll pick up on this section next, next week. And I'll, I'll elaborate more on this, what I call the Levite River. Say that with me, please. Come on. The Levite River. Today we're talking about Abraham's river, but I want to show you that God established a system. And he established a system of people who were to think and live like, like Abraham. They were not to claim anything. And it was the Levites. I want to read this to you, and I want you to notice what it said. And he specifically said this about the tithe. The tithe belonged to the priest. And the payment of the gifts of consecration out of the spoils of war to the priestly tribe was secured by law. And that's in the book of Leviticus and Numbers. God established a system that said, I want a tribe of people out of the 12 tribes of Israel that does not focus on anything but ministry. And I'm going to put a system in place that empowers them to do just that. I don't want them to worry about anything. I don't want them to worry about the land. As a matter of fact, one text says to the tribe of the Levites, which were the descendants of Aaron, he said, you have no inheritance in the land, none, none at all. Tithing was established and explained in the New Testament beyond, I'm sorry, the New Testament, in, in the book of Exodus forward as a, a tool God would use to establish a group of people who would focus their attention on serving God's people. So God divided up. He said, I want you guys to do this, and I want this one tribe to focus on this. The Levites were established to make sure the temple was taken care of, to make sure the preaching of the word was taken care of, to make sure the poor were taken care of, to make sure the temple was taken care of. And it was interesting when God established the system, 
The Levites, first of all, did not operate in a building that was financed. They paid cash. The tabernacle was paid for cash. There was no mortgage. And then the, the Levites, the, the family that grew up in, in the Levite system, they understood our job is to take care of the house of God. Our job is to make sure these millions of people are provided spiritual guidance. That's our responsibility. And so the tithe was there to fund that vision. He didn't want them to have to sell chicken dinners and barbecue dinners and all that. There was to be enough so that when they went to battle and they had a battle like this, a tenth of that was automatically taken off like Abraham did. It was modeled after Abraham. And so it became a system that God put in place. Now, here's what I believe. There's been abuses. And I think it's been misrepresented, and I'll, I'll talk more about that next week. But I, I, I just believe one of the things that causes a lot of people problems is you got this system in place today that's just scary. I mean, all this begging, and, 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 and I, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but uh, and I, I, I do understand it. You know, you ever seen one of them $100 lines? Maybe I have one today. Y'all quiet. But $100 lines, and you know, you know why they have to do all that? They have to do it because we don't obey God's principles. If we did it God's way, there would be no problem. If you honored God, if, if, there, was a, if there was a spirit of, of, of embracing the power of, of sowing and honoring God first, there wouldn't be as much trickery. But I think some guys just don't get it. And I think some ministries don't get it. And this is why next week I'm going to talk about being comfortable talking about money and how important you have to be. Your family will never go far if you can't talk about it. And that's the fourth thing we'll talk about. Now, I want to show you something as I close this. Abraham was under pressure. Abraham was under pressure all the time. Lot was always into something, having to go run and save him. And God spoke to him in chapter 15. And God did say something for him that I want you to do today. Abraham goes back to God, and here's the first thing God tells him. Chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not be afraid. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. I am your what? Shield and your what? I don't believe that you have to spend your life worrying about missing an opportunity. God doesn't want you spending your life under some kind of guilt or some kind of bondage. Abraham, if lots of challenge, don't worry about it. I'm your shield. I'm your protector. Abram said, Lord, but I've got a problem. What will you give me seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, what's interesting is when he talks to God, his problem isn't money. His problem is he can't have any children. He's feeling, he's feeling left out. He's feeling lost. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is, is my heir. I can't have any children. Behold, he said, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir. But the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So what he basically tells him is, I'm your shield. You'll be fruitful. Don't settle for this. And I want you to come out of the tent. Now, that's going to be an interesting statement for you in verse 5. He's talking to Abraham in a tent. The conversation is in a tent. And he says to him, I want you to get up and I want you to come outside and look up. 
Take your mind outside of where you've been. And I want you to look up and I want you to see something. Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And here's what he said. And he believed the Lord. He decided to believe God. And the Bible said that's what made him righteous. There's a moment in your life when you have to pause and say, all right, Lord, if I want to reroute this river, I've got to make sure that I follow a good example. I got to make sure I find somebody that I can look at and learn from. And you look at Abraham and you see a guy who could have been very negative and very, very, very lost. But here's a guy who decided to believe God despite his own personal disappointments, his own uh, own family dynamics that kept reoccurring over and over again, the, the expensive dynamics of his life. He decided to talk to God and God said, I don't care what it looks like. I am your shield. Say it with me, please. Come on. I am your shield. I'm your shield. I'm going to provide for you. But Lord, I don't feel fruitful. I can't even have a child. Don't worry about it. Don't settle. Don't be fearful. I promise you, come outside this tent. You're in this one place. You're thinking one way. Step outside and look up and watch God work on your behalf. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me? Well, I pray you are blessed by today's sermon. I want you to know that God really has a plan for your life. Keep these thoughts in your mind and heart and go have a great day. God bless you. This is Pastor Rick. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.